0: to thrive. Welcome to the Thriveology Podcast with Dr. Lee Balkum. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, welcome to the Thrivology Podcast. This is Lee Balkum, And today I wanted to talk a little bit about what we do when we hit those life challenges and how we respond to that. And the way I want to talk to you about it is, is the fact that I have decided to to find a simple rule for myself when I come up with those challenges because let's be very clear that's the nature of life. You know, one of the things I've heard over the years is a lot of people feel like when there's a challenge then life must not be going right that they must be doing something wrong if if some big challenge comes their way. I was with a group of uh, people uh, a couple of months ago that were in self-development, and their basic thing was, if you get sick, you're doing something wrong. That's not our natural state, that if you get sick or if an accident comes your way, then you haven't learned some lesson from life. And I just didn't see it that way. And I suggested to them that you know the very fact that we are alive means that we are going to have challenges. We're going to have health crises along the way. We're going to have tough times along the way. Not everything is going to be easy. In fact, that's one of the things that gets us stuck in our thinking process, when we're expecting life to be easy and it's not. In other words, when life is doing what life does to us and when it poses challenges for us, when we have to take on the challenges. When I've talked with people, a lot of times we forget the challenges we've been through. So Oftentimes, I'll have a conversation with somebody who's talking about how life's been pretty good for them. And then they start kind of drilling down and they begin to talk about the different challenges that have come their way. And a lot of times they'll say, yeah, you know what? I've never put that all together. I never realized that I've had the challenges. And the fact is that we roll with challenges. That's our natural inclination is that we take on a challenge and move on to the next one. But part of the struggle is when people believe that there shouldn't be a challenge, Then when a challenge comes their way, they start doing other things that aren't particularly productive. A lot of times they end up doing something that's about blame. Blame is where can I put the responsibility for this? And so when life challenges come our way and circumstances come our way, there are some things that we do that get us stuck. So first of all, I want to talk about some things that I'm trying to give up during this year and then I'm going to tell you what my little simple rule is and we'll talk about how that then fits in because the simple rule, you know, one uh, one little phrase can mean a lot, but you want to understand the different pieces of the phrase. In fact, my new rule has only 3 words to it. So first of all, let's talk about some things that people do instead of what we'll talk about when challenges come their way. The first thing a lot of people do is they worry. Now, let me be clear that we humans, as I've talked about many times, are wired for fear. We're going to have fear. That's just how our brain operates, right? We are naturally pulled into fear. The reason is because our brain is looking for threats. We as humans live somewhere between the predator brain and the prey brain. So, if you've ever watched uh, maybe uh, a nature movie, you watch the lions and the tigers and and the bears who are just kind of you know lying around all day. They don't look particularly nervous. When it's time to eat, they go hunt. It doesn't look like there's a lot of worry to their life because they're at the top of the food chain. There's nothing coming their way. Now, probably they are a little more worried about uh, the other uh, creatures in their pack that might challenge them for power position or something like that or territory. But by and large, the top predators don't have a lot of concern. They're the hunters, not the hunted. And then we break over to the gazelles or the zebras or, you know, whatever it is that is at the watering hole. And you see them, they're all twitchy, right? They're constantly twitchy, worried about what might sneak up behind them. So they get a quick drink of water because they have to have it to survive. But they're always wondering what's right around the corner from them, what, what that shadow might be, what the danger is. Well, we humans have both parts of those in our brain. We have the predator brain. But we also have the prey brain, and the prey brain is the part that brings us the worry. It's the part where we're concerned about what might come our way that we're not sure about. And one of the things I've noticed is that when people are worrying, they're trying to find a way of kind of making everything okay without having doing anything. If you can just think of every different possibility of what might happen, sometimes it can feel like you're preparing for the worst. So all we do is worry, not really do anything about it. A lot of times people will worry about things that are not likely to happen, but they do it in a way that makes them feel like they're making things safer. And so I want to be very clear. There's a distinction between thinking of something that you need to protect. You know, if you suddenly go, hey, you know what? We probably ought to put a better lock on that back door, and you put a lock on the back door, that thought led to action that made you safer. But if you're constantly going, gosh, I hope nobody breaks in that back door. I hope nobody does anything on that back door. I hope nobody picks the lock on the back door. I hope nobody breaks the window on the back door. You're worried about it. You're, you're thinking about all the scenarios of what might happen. What if somebody did that? What if somebody came in? What if they broke that? What if, and the what ifs are never backed up with any change. They're just tapes we play that make us feel like we're taking care of things. Worry is often a substitute for action. And worry is often something that we do to kind of feel like we're doing something. In the midst of a face of uh, in the face of these challenges of life. The second thing that people do is they complain. Now, the interesting thing about complaining is it's kind of a release valve. You know, if I've noticed that people who are upset about something, they can complain about it. And what the complaining does is it lets off just enough steam that they can keep doing what they're doing. Some years ago I had a person who came in my office, and every single session, the person complained about the job the person was doing. complained and complained, And I said, you know, I've noticed that you consistently complain about it. Have you done anything? Have you looked for another job or, you know, if you tried to find some resolution for the problems you have there? Oh, no, I could never do that. I can't leave this place. And no, I would never look for another job. And so the next week was more about the complaints. What I realized was that coming to my office and telling me all the problems with the job allowed them to go back to the job and not take action because it kind of relieved some of the pressure. And so what they were trying to do with the complaining was just make it manageable. It's like the release valve. You know, the pressure pr- builds, pressure builds, pressure builds. And finally, they get to complain some and, and the pressure drops a little bit, just enough to go back into it. Same thing happens when we're sitting around talking about uh, bad relationships with our friends or, you know, we're talking about the, the problems with politics or the world or lots of other things where we complain and never do anything about it. You see, complaining has a couple of components to it. One is it makes something out there the problem. It's not what I'm doing. It's something out there. So my friend who was complaining about the job could complain without ever seeing a role that was being played, that, that he was playing into those situations. Any role was shifted to the bad boss and the bad employees and the bad environment and the bad economy and uh, you know, how badly they were making their product and how bad they were selling it and all the other pieces of the puzzle that he was complaining about. In the process of all that complaining, it relieved him of having to do anything about it. So complaints are kind of a release valve that make us the victim It's interesting to note that usually when we're complaining about something, it's something that could be changed. It's something that's changeable. You don't hear many people complaining about gravity. I mean, that just is. We don't walk around going, gosh darn it, this stupid gravity holds me to the ground. How dare gravity do that, right? We just accept that gravity is a thing. We're complaining about things that are malleable and changeable but we're not doing any malleability and no changing. We're not doing any adjustment to that. We're just staying in it. So when we are complaining, we're releasing enough of a a valve to let us keep going back into that same environment with no change. And we're making ourselves the victim. The other way we often deal with things is to just avoid. Just avoid, don't notice, don't look, don't pay attention to that. And a lot of times this happens in relationships. When I'm working with couples who have gotten into trouble, one of the things I note is that they have avoided dealing with the big things for a long time. And so by the time they're trying to deal with them now, they become monumental. The small things along the way build up into the point that they are in trouble. Same thing happens when we avoid taking care of our physical needs. When we avoid maybe exercising on a regular basis or avoid eating the right food or avoid noticing the symptoms that keep building in our body and avoid noticing all that's happening in ourselves. Some time ago, when I was a teenager, I worked in a men's clothing store. And one of the things I noticed is how many people were coming in avoiding the weight gain that was going on in their life. And we could see it because they would come in to buy another suit and they always wanted it to be the same size as the one that they had had a couple of years ago when they no longer fit. But they avoided noticing that and they avoided making any changes around that. So instead, they would tell us how the manufacturers were changing how they were measuring a waist and how they were measuring, measuring a chest when in reality it was the same model, it's the same inches, they just didn't want to pay attention to the changes that were happening within them. Several years back, I was on a boat with a friend and my friend's wife, and I noticed a, a mole on my friend's wife's back. And I said, "Hey, have you had that looked at?" And she said, "Oh no, I haven't." And I said, "Well, why not? Because I I think it needs to be looked at." And she said, "I don't know. I don't want to know what it is. I don't want to be told it's something bad." Now that's avoidance, because whether she was told what it was or not, it was still a reality. So avoidance is almost the opposite of worry. But I want you to notice that we avoid because it's triggering some fear within us. And so instead of worrying about the fear, we set it aside. Don't look at it. Don't notice it. Don't pay attention. Something else is bothering us. We might complain about it. And those three things, worry, complaining, and avoiding, all serve to keep us stuck with where things are. Change is kind of held back by doing that. So I decided that this year I was going to really adopt a short rule that would help me navigate the challenges and those tough times that are going to come my way. So here's the short rule that I'm proposing and, and trying to move through myself act or accept. Act. Or accept. Those are my two choices. I can either act to make a change or I can accept where things are. Now, notice these aren't necessarily opposites. Sometimes this is the process where the same thing in one day might need you to act in another day to accept until you can act. Sometimes acceptance is a midpoint. So, let me talk about what that means in my process. When I'm challenged, I can either, number one, take action and make changes, whether they're small or large, whether they are really turning things around or they're only me participating in a process to turn things around, that the action is toward resolution. For instance, you might look at the state of affairs in our country and say, I don't like how things are. The interesting thing about that is changes happen in our political system because people vote. And yet the number of people who vote in an election is not even a majority most of the time in our country. Not even half the people in many elections vote. So half, oh, more than half the people are choosing to take no stand on something. Notice what happens after the fact. They often complain, worry about what's going on, and avoid dealing with it. So... Uh, Some time ago, I was talking with somebody who said, you know, I'm not going to vote because my vote doesn't matter. And I said, then you have given up your right to complain. If you vote and you don't like it, then I'm happy to hear what you're upset about and what you're going to do about it. But we often find ourselves, instead of even taking those small actions, we find ourselves kind of not acting. And so action can be huge or can be small. I've talked several times about my having been sick now about 15 years ago. That sickness brought an awareness to my life that I hadn't had before. I've had a couple pivotal points in my life, and that was one of them. That pivotal point was when I realized that I had not been taking action about my state of health. I had gained weight. I was not eating well. I was not exercising. I was allowing stress to eat at me. I was not sleeping well, not resting well. All of that hit a culmination point. Now, I want you to notice, it was not that I was unaware of what I was doing. I might worry some about what my diet was doing. I might worry some about the fact that I was going to pay the price for not exercising and, and getting out of shape. I might complain about it some. I might fuss about the fact that my clothes weren't fitting right. I might complain about how much uh, I was... Um, uh, faced with bad choices and I was accepting them and complain about why wouldn't they make healthier food while I was eating out or something like that but the fact was I was making choices along the way I might avoid the fact that things were getting tight right I might shift my pants to be a little lower on my waist to allow a little bit more do something else to avoid noticing what was going on I might decide not to take the steps because I would avoid feeling bad at the top of the steps things like that I was doing all three strategies. At some point, I realized, and I could either accept the fact that I was out of shape, or I could do something to change it. I could act. Now, those were pretty big actions on my part. I worked very hard to get back into shape, very hard to lose the excess of weight, and very hard to deal with my stress. And I worked very hard to eat better. Now, along the way, after a while, those actions became everyday life. I mean, that's the nature of habit. As I've talked about in the past, often we're having to work against inertia to move to something that is uh, in our daily life. And so as I started eating better food, that became a habit to eat better food and a habit to not drink soft drinks. And as I started to exercise, it became my habit to exercise until it's hard to think about doing otherwise. Actions lead to further actions. That's the nature of of actions. And so when we take action, whether it's small or large, we are at least moving towards something else. Now, let me be very clear. Just because we act doesn't mean we're going to resolve something. Sometimes we act and we act and we act, and nothing really changes in terms of what we want it to go. People have taken huge actions to get in better shape and still had failing health. So action doesn't necessarily guarantee the outcome. But if I'm acting, I can at least say I'm moving in that direction. My other option is to accept. Accept what is. Now, let me be very clear. Acceptance is not giving up acceptance is not just saying, okay, here I am. Acceptance is a realization of where you are and seeing that as a starting point. That's what it means to accept. Sometimes acceptance is the pivot point. It's not the end point. It's the pivot point. Sometimes it is the end. Sometimes we just have to say, this is where things are. Over the past year, I've been doing jujitsu on a regular basis and So one of the lessons I learned is there are sometimes when I have to accept that I am in a stuck position. Let's say that somebody has managed to pin me down and there's nothing I can do to get away from it. I have to accept that that's position or I can fight against it. And when I fight against it, I'm giving up all of my energy. But I also want to recognize that acceptance doesn't mean that I am giving up and being defeated. I'm waiting it out. Sometimes acceptance... Is about holding on. So sometimes somebody will find me, and because I'm basically a beginner still, will find me in a pin position, and they've got me down, and I can't move. I can't progress my position. I can't get myself free. And it used to be that I would fight against it, and I would burn the energy because I was trying to figure out a way of, of muscling my way out or twisting my way out, but they had the leverage point. They had me stuck. Since then, I've learned that I have to accept that that's where I am at that moment. But what I also do as I'm accepting that position is get ready for the action. I'm waiting for them to move because as long as they're holding me down, they can't progress either. As soon as they shift to try to progress, though, I have a chance for action. So recognize that when I talk about act or accept, they're not... Uh, pieces of the puzzle that are on the opposite ends. They are not mutually exclusive. They are part of a process. Sometimes I can just act. I can decide on some action I need to take at that moment, whether it's big or large. Sometimes I have to accept of where I am, at least at that point. Also recognize that there are times in life when it really is a matter of acceptance, that this is where things are. Now, how do I make the best of this place? As a chaplain, I would deal with people who were faced with the fact that no matter what they did, there was no treatment that would stop them and stop the progress of their disease toward their mortal end. At that point, they had a choice of continuing to struggle against, to deny, to pretend that that wasn't going on, or they could make the best of it. I remember late one night, I was at the hospital and I sat with a person who had just been told that there was no treatment and they only had a couple of months to live. After a while, we had long conversations about why this had happened, what that meant about God, what it meant about the world, what it meant about fairness. And they sat there and struggled and struggled. And as they continued, I finally said, I've got a question for you. You've got so much time, that's a fact. It's true for all of us, but you know that your time is ticking away. So instead of us trying to figure out some understanding of why this is happening, I'm wondering if there are some things you need to do. I'm wondering if there are some places you need to get your life in order, some people you need to talk to, some things you need to say, some things you need to do. And the person looked at me and said, yeah, there are some. So the next couple of months, that's exactly what this person did. Accepted the fact that death was coming. Accepted the fact that the illness was a reality. But also decided that there were actions that could be taken. Not to change that, but to do what could be done. To say goodbye to people, to make make sure things were left in order. So recognize that act or accept... Sometimes it's act and accept. Sometimes it's accept and act and finding ways to move forward. But what this is really about is recognizing that act or accept is instead of worry or complain or avoid, that our capacity for change comes in either acting or accepting and sometimes in accepting and choosing how we'll act from there. I hope this has been helpful for you. If this has been helpful for you, it might be helpful for others you know, and I hope you'll share it. One way to do that is by leaving a review wherever you listen to your podcast, if it's in the iTunes store or some other podcast app, to just leave a review and let people know that what you like about this, what's helpful about this, and how they can find it. The other way is to send us a little Twitter love. All you have to do is type in your browser, Thriveology.com, that's T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O, g-y dot com slash love l-o-v-e show us a little love a little twitter love and that will help others find us but know that you're building your thriving life as you work to act or accept rather than worry complain or avoid and this is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you build your thriving life <music>